Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. So it's Thanksgiving week around the country, and that means a couple of things here in the great old U.S. of A., There is lots of food and lots of traveling. So today on Keith and Kelsey's food episode, we've got you covered on both fronts. I am going to share some of my favorite recipes that you can make at home. And Keith, our resident fast food connoisseur, is going to help you navigate all the fast food spots and holiday specials that they offer so that you have some recommendations when you go to hit up spots for food on your travels over the river and through the woods this holiday season. But first, you've got to meet Keith. This fellow Illinois State alum, Central Illinois resident and lifelong Cardinals fan has joined us today. And before we put him on the spot for his vast knowledge of everything fast food, let's welcome him onto the show. Keith, what's up? How's it going today? How's it going, Kelsey? I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to pick your brain and learn a little bit about the fast world of fast food because it's something I don't frequent a lot, but you really make the most of it. And I got to say, you make it look more appealing than I typically think fast food is. So I'm looking forward to chatting about that with you today. First things first, tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Where are you now? And how do you spend your day to day? Well, I mean, I'm from Bloomington, Illinois, and uh, I am still here in Bloomington, Illinois. My job kept me here. And luckily, my parents still live in town. Day to day, I watch mainly sports all day. I'm extremely into video gaming. And well, as you've mentioned, I eat a lot of fast food because it's cheap and I'm young enough where you can still keep that going for now. Yeah. If you're not cooking for yourself in this economy, fast food is it. So you're going to help, help a lot of people today, Keith. <laughs> but as you mentioned, you are an avid sports fan and for the purposes of this podcast, a lifelong Cardinals fan. So we are going to talk about this week in baseball, the year's awards that were announced and all that good stuff at the end of this episode, but first tell us, how did you become a baseball fan and what do you love about following baseball? I became a baseball fan because my dad was an avid baseball fan. Um, His first game ever was back at Bush Stadium 2, and my first game ever was at Bush Stadium 2 in 99. Uh, One of my earliest memories was um, on TBS, the Braves. They were one of the few teams that actually had nightly games. It was back in the older days when we didn't have local networks with all these teams and stuff. So I remember uh, growing up and watching Braves games with my dad. And then we started going to Cardinal games. And other than 2020, I've been to a St. Louis Cardinal game with my father every year since 1999. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I. it's funny that you mentioned the Braves too, because I do remember that like growing up there was not a lot of other baseball on TV necessarily, but the Braves there on TBS always there. And then you also mentioned uh, before we started recording that your dad 
and you went to your first games at the same stadium, but there were like over 30 years in between, which is just really cool that there's like that piece of history in sports that you can pass from generation to generation. Yeah, it is crazy because that was back in 67, his first game. And then I went in 99 and I'll never forget um, because it was once the uh, new stadium started getting built and the old stadium was still there. And then they finally took down the old stadium. And my dad was actually very, very saddened by it. And I will never forget that year of 2006 walking into the new stadium. I would have been in sixth grade. He actually teared up and said to me, he said, man, I miss that old stadium, but this is so much cooler. <laughs> and it was just nice to hear that from even someone in an older generation of just like, you know, yeah, it is, it is a lot nicer. As much as we all have those emotions about Bush Stadium too, especially the 04 team and the sadness of the 05 team, it, it, it was definitely long overdue in order to get that. And now we have Ballpark Village too, and it's just fantastic i think yeah and that's something that the city of st louis and the cardinals organization does really well is they maintain that history so they've definitely like continued to keep parts of you know everything that we loved about being at bush two alive and now hopefully your dad can rack up as many games at the new bush stadium as he did at bush two we're past that now that they're retired my parents just retired uh this past year as well and that has already been a perk for me. It's easier to, to talk him into going down for a game anytime. So where Keith is at is right in the middle of Illinois. And that is super close to where I grew up. And as we mentioned, uh, Keith and I both went to good old Illinois state university, Keith, were you there at the same time as Paul DeYoung or was he there before you? I was there at the same time as Paul DeYoung actually. Oh my gosh. Did you ever see him play? I did not actually. It, I worked full time. Up side by side, Paul DeYoung, maybe in psych class. Who knows? You never know. You never know. Today, we are celebrating Thanksgiving week on the podcast. And due to your love and extensive exploration of all things fast food, we're going to dive into that with you. I can't say that I'm a big promoter of fast food, like particularly. And it kind of makes me feel terrible most of the time, if I'm being real with you. But I will say that I am as guilty as anyone of being a major consumer of fast food when I'm traveling. So like many others, I would assume, I'm always on the road for both Thanksgiving and Christmas these days. So basically during the holidays, I'm either eating like decadent home cooked meals or fast food. There's really no in between. I think this might be pretty common that, you know, people are, are on the road. Like, what do we eat up until the big holiday meal? So before we hit the road this week, you're going to give us the lowdown on the best spots to pull off the interstate for. So before we get into those specifics, tell us like personally, what is your favorite fast food meal and why? I would say it's in between two separate things between Taco Bell and McDonald's depending on the mood. If McDonald's, I'm feeling a burger and some chicken nuggets and fries, I think that's absolutely perfect. The Big Mac, I think, is a wonderful sandwich as well as the quarter pounder with cheese. I just really enjoy McDonald's. I feel like it's a lot of nostalgia too. It was one of the places that used to be really cheap. Um, 
when we went on vacation back in the day, uh, we'd drive to Daytona Beach, Florida. So 24 hours, stopping halfway, mm-hmm. but two fast food meals a day. And as kids, we never got fast food other than those trips. Yeah. And so on those trips that McDonald's was the way to keep us happy and shut us up in a sense. <laughs> And it works. I mean, it works completely. And there's still that nostalgia with it. But then Taco Bell is, you know, fast food, Tex-Mex, the people that have arguments with people saying it's Mexican food. No, it's not Mexican food. (laughs) It is the American Mexican food. I ate a lot of Taco Bell during my senior year of high school because it was like one of the only fast food places in the town of Washington, Illinois, where I grew up. And it was right outside of the neighborhood that I lived in. And I was doing theater constantly. So I would always have rehearsal to go to at night. As soon as I had my driver's license and I was like driving myself to rehearsals, I'm like, I'll just get Taco Bell. So I have put some Taco Bell away in my day. What's your go-to thing on the Taco Bell menu? The go-to thing right now, I get I get about three or four Chipotle chicken melts and then a nachos bel grande. That's all? It changes so frequently. I miss the volcano taco. That was like a staple because just like you were talking about when I first got my driver's license, it's like, oh, I'm skipping family dinner. I can just go drive and get food that I could never get until I was able to <laughs> drive. So like, yeah, it changes up. But that's the, that's the go-to. I mean, I love the steak quesadilla, but it's five dollars and thirty nine cents now here. And no, I was that was my go to thing, but it was probably like two dollars and thirty nine cents. You know, back when I used to eat it all the time. That's why I always do all these deals and stuff because it's gotten uh, it's gotten pricey nowadays. The yeah, so that's the other thing that you're like in on that I feel like is like some trade secret. Tell us what you're doing to get all this free fast food. Well, the one thing I'm doing is the apps, all the apps for all the places. For example, McDonald's, especially because it's in walking distance, they have deals on their app every single week. And some of them last forever. Like the one right now is you can buy either a quarter pounder, a 10 piece nugget or a Big Mac, and then get another one of those for 29 cents. So we can tie this right into the Thanksgiving bit right now then. Yeah. So if you're traveling with that with kids and whatnot, typically, you know, you got at least four of you in that that car. Even you can get two of your favorites there for pretty much free. I mean, 29 cents. Right. Might as well be free there. And then pick up McDonald's for the kid. Everyone's happy there. So you're saying that each place, each fast food place has their own app. Yes, like the Taco Bell app as well. They don't have as many deals, but you can actually collect points. And when you go up into the drive-thru, you just tell them your mobile order. You don't have to sit there and wait in line as long. I mean, or you could walk in. Oh. Unless you're lazy like me and just stay in the car. (laughs) I mean, this time of year in central Illinois, we're staying in the car. Yeah, even things like, for example, uh, last night my buddy was over. He ordered Domino's for us. And I didn't even notice, he didn't even see the coupon on the app that he ordered from. Mm-hmm. That was 50% off menu pizzas. He spent $18 on a pizza. He could have gotten for nine. And sure, it's only nine bucks, but things like that, I feel. That adds up. It adds up. 
And like you said, especially if you're feeding multiple people or you're, you know, like you and every other 20 to 30 year old male that I know, and you need to eat six times as much as the rest of us to feed yourself. I'm thinking like my brother, my husband, Keith, you all need like four meals from fast food restaurants to fill you up. And Hey, you can get it for the price of one. If you do it right. That is a really good thing to point out too, because everywhere has an app these days, right? There's deals just like shoved in our face every time we pick up our phone. But if it's something that you're going to consume regularly or not, like if you're going to consume it and you're going to pay for it, you might as well save money on it. And it sounds like it's pretty easy. Is it pretty user-friendly? It's pretty user-friendly. My dad's one of those people that still calls in orders. And I'm yeah. like, I guess maybe it's a generational thing, but it's it still- is like our generation is like, if I don't have to talk to someone, I'm not talking to someone. <laughs> exactly. It makes it so much easier to just get things done without that communication, which it might be a flaw with our generation. There's pros and cons to everything, right? But the same way that sometimes there can be a missed connection or a missed opportunity by not making the phone call and you know using an app, you could also, in this case, like if you make the phone call instead of using the app, you could miss out on a coupon or a deal that you could use on the app. So it goes both ways. Okay, so to balance this out, Keith and I are going to go back and forth here. He is going to share a fast food spot and a menu recommendation for your holiday travel. And then I'm going to share a homemade recipe that will be linked in the show notes to inspire your holiday cooking. So I'll kind of give you like the rundown, the basic ingredients list, but all the how-to and more clear directions will be linked for you. So we'll get some good variety. I've got a main course, a side dish, uh, a breakfast that could also be a dessert and a drink or cocktail recipe to share. But Keith, kick us off. What is your first fast food spot and menu recommendation for us? Well, honestly, the first one that I had down for this was involving all the apps. And that's where I say McDonald's. When you're traveling with the children, you can use that app. You can get some great deals with that and keep the kids happy. That's that's the pretty simple number one. So would you say McDonald's is pretty reliable in terms of the order ahead? Like, would you yeah. recommend that? Yes, the order the order ahead and just the, uh, I guess I would say the variety in terms of the food and as well as the uh, locations. I mean, you're going to find a McDonald's anywhere. They tend to be quite quick, even when they're busy. That's one of the best parts about it because when they're busy you know you're going to get hot food they're probably going to be moving quickly if you're traveling for thanksgiving you're going to be off the interstate and but i feel like with mcdonald's everyone everyone's happy at some point there that is true they do have quite the variety and i mean that's probably because they just become such a staple in the fast food world but they do a lot of things like equally well it seems and i totally agree that it just seems like a travel staple to me like we were on the road this week to visit some family and we were driving most of our driving was in the morning and i was like well we're obviously getting 
McDonald's breakfast. That's just what we do when we're on the road. Do you have a favorite McDonald's breakfast food? The sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin. Classic. See, I know some people love the McGriddles, but I'm not a huge fan of the maple syrup with all that, but I understand why some people like that because I'm one of those people that like doesn't like to mix my food. So like when people pour, pour their syrup on their sausage, yeah. I'm not a huge fan, but I see why some people, you know, enjoy it to each their own and the McGriddle's kind of that, but uh, yeah. Sausage. I've never tried the McGriddle actually, but I, the reason I haven't is to your point, I don't like, yeah, to mix syrup with sausage and things like that. My go-to is I love those, the sausage burritos. I have always loved them. That will always be my thing. They're like half the size that they used to be, but that's why you get two in the meal. Okay. I'm going to stick with kind of the breakfast theme, I guess, for my first recipe here. This is technically a breakfast dish, but it could absolutely be used as a dessert because it's super sweet and really delicious. And it's pretty simple, all things considered. So my family calls these the sinfully delicious cinnamon rolls. The thing that makes them different than other cinnamon rolls is that they're made with crescent rolls, like the the frozen crescent rolls, like the Pillsbury crescent rolls. So you need that. You mix up butter, brown sugar, and water and put it in a pan. And then you're going to melt butter and you're going to brush it onto the crescent roll. So the crescent roll is going to be like unfolded so that you form a rectangle out of the two triangles. So it's just like a rectangle. The two triangles stay stuck together. You're going to brush on the butter to the crescent roll. And then you mix a little sugar and cinnamon together and you're going to sprinkle that on top of the buttered up crescent roll. Then you're going to roll up the crescent roll and put it in the pan with the butter and brown sugar mixture. And then you sprinkle more cinnamon and sugar on top. You put that in the oven, bake it at 350 for 20 minutes, and it's pretty incredible. I'm going to need you to send me that recipe at some point. Because it's in the show notes, Keith. Click that, it. That was... Oh. You got me hungry just thinking about that. Okay, so this is, I guess, I'd still consider pizza places fast food. I mean, yeah, yeah. this kind of goes into that Wednesday aspect of the fact that nobody wants to cook on Wednesday nights. You're going to be cooking all day on Thursday. I mean, it depends on the family, but some people cook all day long. They do breakfast, lunch, dinner, all that stuff. Nobody wants to deal with that on Wednesdays, especially if you've been traveling. So I had just noticed some great um, pizza deals. And I feel like pizza works perfectly the day before Thanksgiving. It's something completely different from what you're getting the next day. That's a really good point. You know, it, it pleases adults, kids, people who have traveled all day and just want to sit down and eat something and not talk to anybody kind of deal. <laughs> So the first deal I noticed, and I actually, it, it depends on where you're from. Maybe it's, a, I don't think it's only a Midwest thing, but Papa Murphy's on Tuesdays, Ooh. the take and bake, they have a $12 any pizza special, any pizza they have large $12 on Tuesdays. So if you were having family over on Wednesday, you could pick up pretty decent pizzas. And the one thing I love about Papa Murphy's is that you know, yeah, you have to bake it. Is it really that difficult to just stick a pizza in the oven? No, it's not. 
and you're going to get it fresh. You're going to get it hot. And then you can control that, especially if you got a large family coming over for Thanksgiving. You can just keep putting a couple in, a couple out. And I think that works perfectly for a Wednesday. You're always trying to time it, right? Like when are they going to be here? And they're, they're always either early or late. And either way, that's can be a really big annoyance with food. So how great that you just had the take and bake pizza. And whenever they get there, you're like, okay, 20 minutes and we're ready to eat. Especially because you can't predict the weather. And so it could take family members longer to get there. Yep. If you're thinking about ordering delivery, it could suddenly take a lot longer there. You can't. This predict. is preparation, Keith. I'm really impressed by your level of preparation here. He's saying you're going to get your food on Tuesday to have it ready for Wednesday, all over it. But then also going on the pizza thing, similar to the, the kid aspect as well. It's not a weather situation if you don't want to do the Papa Murphy's. I did see that Pizza Hut actually has their triple treat box back. Ooh, Just two vegan pizzas, five breadsticks, and two, uh, two Cinnabon mini rolls. And it's about 25 bucks, but I feel like that pleases the entire crowd. You could get multiple. You could add stuff with that. Again, those Wednesday nights, the worst evening for uh, for dinner because you don't want to cook. It's- and the fridge is already full. Like, it's tricky for sure. What was that box called again from Pizza Hut? The triple treat box. Triple treat box. I like that too because there's like courses. It even comes in like a three slide like drawer pizza hut stepping it up they get a little fancy occasionally even though not my go-to pizza place but sometimes they have those deals and it's like when you got a large amount of people you got to feed everyone yeah it's got to be convenient okay i'm gonna stick with like the main course kind of the day before thanksgiving theme for something that you can make at home if you're not into pizza or you got pizza the night before or you don't have enough leftovers and you need to make something on Friday. This dish is uh, made in the instant pot, which brings me to another point. I'm just going to stand on my soapbox for a second. If you don't have an instant pot, get an instant pot because I am not someone who you have one. I do have one. Great. Because I'm not someone who would say I can cook or like, I don't just, I just don't have good instincts when it comes to cooking And I was really bad about cooking for myself until I met my husband and he is good, really good at it and kind of inspired me a little bit more, but really until I got the instant pot. And when I got the instant pot, it made me feel like I could cook and it just makes things less complicated and less intimidating. So I'm sure that you could translate this recipe into the crock pot, which we also love just takes a little bit longer. Uh, but the, the recipe that I'm going to actually have linked is the instant pot recipe. And this is for instant pot, sweet potato chili. The other thing that I love about this chili is that it does not have beans in it. And as much as I love beans, beans don't love me and don't love a lot of us, I think. So the sweet potatoes are like a good alternative for your carb in this chili. So it consists of I usually use like the 93% lean ground turkey, but literally you could use any ground chicken, ground turkey, ground beef, whatever you like. Chopped onion, uh, some cloves of garlic, the Rotel mild tomatoes with green chiles, a tomato sauce, and then the sweet potato. And those are like the 
things that you really are going to need to make sure that you pick up at the grocery store because the other things are all like spices that you probably already have in your cabinet. Cumin, chili powder, paprika, bay leaf. And then it's really nice to top it with like some cilantro or cheese, sour cream, whatever you like to put on your chili. Lots of good ways to spice it up. But that's one of the things that I really like about this recipe too, is you don't need like a ton. You probably have those spices in your kitchen cabinet. So really all you need is the meat, the onion, and the cans of tomatoes and tomato sauce. So I feel like every time I go to the store and I'm like, I'm going to make this, I feel like I only have to grab, you know, a handful of things and it's pretty quick. You put it in the instant pot for 15 minutes, I believe, and then it's ready to go. And it keeps really well. It's easy to heat up. It's nice to have a little cup of it or a big bowl of it. So it could be a whole meal or it can be a side. And as we've been talking about, it got really cold in the Midwest this week and in a lot of places around the country. So having like some nice warm food to go to, you can't go wrong with it. Sweet potato chili in the Instant Pot. So we got you covered for for your Wednesday food, whether you want to hit up some good pizza places or maybe make a quick instant pot meal to cover your out of town guests. Keith, what do we do if we find ourselves on Thanksgiving day with a burnt turkey or we didn't plan ahead and the turkey's sold out? Is there anywhere we can go? What should we do? It's definitely interesting you ask that because um, Popeye's does currently have a Cajun turkey, a full pre-cooked Cajun turkey available. It is $49.99, so it is a bit pricey in terms of comparison to what it would cost to actually cook your turkey. But yes, Popeye's is actually selling a full turkey. Unfortunately, they don't sell any sides with that. So you would have to buy that extra <laughs> as well if you really didn't feel like making any sides either. But yes, they are selling an entire cooked turkey at a Popeye's. Do they only sell it on Thanksgiving Day or like, can you get it now? Yeah, you can get it now. Typically, you have to pre-order it. But they do say that if you if they do have oversupply, and you haven't pre-ordered it, and they do have extras, you can pick some up. I just think it's one of the funniest fast food things ever because it's been going on for about three years, and every year it's like <laughs> Popeyes is offering the Cajun turkey again, and it's it's like okay, you know, like well, they don't like normally sell turkey, right? No, they don't. It's <laughs> normally chicken and the occasional like shrimp and stuff like yeah. that. No, they just got a whole whole bird. You just heat it and eat it. And that's it. Wow. I don't know how profitable it is compared <laughs> to just that marketing campaign aspect of like, give people the notice. Yeah, we're yeah. selling whole turkey. And it's, it's, it's completely off the wall for anybody in, in fast food, I feel but it's, it's something I wanted to point out, because I think it's just, just too funny. Well, and you never know, like, who finds themselves selves at home either by themselves or just with a few friends or and like you haven't thought ahead or you haven't had the chance to think ahead and you're like man I didn't think that I would miss having Thanksgiving dinner but I really feel like I want a turkey right now <laughs> or you know you just don't have time to go to the store or think about it otherwise 
you can hit up Popeyes. They got you covered. And there's exactly. Popeyes everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on fast food. That's the one thing with fast food right now. It's scary. It's hard to trust every fast food place because some people, some places just seem so different than others. And I feel like it's just kind of the way it is with the workforce in general right now. And yeah, that's, that's very true. But one of the good things about fast food and franchising is the consistency, right? So they have process and procedure and the reliability of their inventory and all of that stuff that, you know, other smaller places don't. So again, pros and cons with everything, but you know, you're going to get the same Cajun Turkey at a Popeye's in Bloomington normal or a Popeye's, you know, in Texas. I hope somebody checks that out. And if you do, if you try the Cajun Turkey at Popeye's this year, please send us a message. Let us know. We would love to hear about that experience. Well, you said it doesn't come with any sides, but Popeye's does have good sides, right? That like you could order to go along with it. Well, yeah, you got red beans and rice. You got fries. I know you said you're not into the beans and stuff, so we don't have to. I mean, I like them, but like I said, they don't like me. But a little bit here and there. We can so go you got for fries, it. coleslaw, you got mac and cheese, biscuits. I mean, it's it's tough to go wrong with Popeyes, you know. Now you're speaking my language. Okay, so my next one is a side dish, and you actually just said it. I have a great coleslaw recipe. This is actually my dad's recipe, and I'll have to type it out and share it in like a Google Doc or something because it's I didn't even find it on the internet. I found it in my email box from my father. So again, pretty simple, but very effective. It is shredded slaw mix, like the bagged coleslaw that you can buy at the grocery store. And then either Jimmy's original or Marie's slaw dressing, pretty specific to either one of those two dressings that you can find at most grocery stores, because my dad actually says like, if you can't find one of these two coleslaw dressings, you should just make potato salad. So he's pretty specific about that. Apparently those are the best ones. Uh, you're also going to add a little crumbled bacon, uh, or you could do like bacon bits, dry roasted sunflower seeds. You're going to get the craisins, like the dried cranberries, uh, but we typically use the 50% less sugar craisins just because like the full sugar ones don't add much to it. So it makes it a little healthier and uh, some chopped red onion. So mix it all together. There's a little bit of specific instructions on how best to mix it together in the recipe. But man, I, once I have this coleslaw, I have never had coleslaw any other way. I've also never had Popeye's coleslaw though. So I would like to compare. I'll have to do a taste test sometime. Have you had Popeye's coleslaw? I have, but it's like your typical run-of-the-mill coleslaw. And what you just described right there, that is not a coleslaw that I have ever encountered with bacon yeah. and sunflower seed. Yeah, it's got all the different like textures, the crunchiness, the saltiness, the sweetness, all of it. Can't go wrong. It's a really good like family meal side dish for your barbecue or your Thanksgiving meal. All right, we're going to wrap this up with some drink recommendations. So I've got a drink recommendation, but first Keith is going to tell you about some holiday drink specials, right? That we've got at fast food spots. That is correct. I mean, they're not, uh, it's not a whole lot going on, but uh, Wendy's does have a peppermint frosty. I did see that and it looked really good. Have you tried it? 
I have not tried it. I'm not. I mean, like, everybody loves a good frosty, though. I'm not a huge peppermint person, but at the same time, exactly as you just said, everybody loves a good frosty, especially when you get a different variation from just your regular chocolate and vanilla. And I think they have strawberry, but sometimes peppermint just works when, well, you're in central Illinois and it's freezing cold <laughs> and it just kind of works out. And then um, I did want to point out as well that Chick-fil-A has a uh, peppermint milkshake. I know some people say that milkshakes and ice cream should only be had during warm times of the year. I don't believe that. Sometimes when you're already cold, the milkshake's not going to make you colder. <laughs> you just need to enjoy the, uh, the holiday times. And well, the last thing, as I said, I worked at Panera. You have pumpkin spice lattes right now. And I made a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of them, but I know how much people like them, especially if you're going on a, uh, on a trip during Thanksgiving and you just want a warm drink. So they have a pumpkin spice latte at Panera? They do. I haven't had that one yet. Would you say it is possibly superior to other pumpkin spice lattes for any reason? I don't know if I can say that because I. <laughs> You're not a big pumpkin spice guy. <laughs> I'm not a big any coffee drink person at all. Oh. It makes me sad. I love the smell of coffee, but the taste of it just. That's a good place to know that there's a pumpkin spice latte because I think everybody thinks like pumpkin spice, Starbucks, obviously mm -hmm. McDonald's keeps up with the seasons and they always have like seasonal stuff, but Panera has really good coffee and they spend a little bit more time specifically on like coffee and bakery type things. So I bet they do have a really good pumpkin spice latte. And normally the line is shorter than Starbucks. Hey, that's always a good point, especially when you're on the road in and out of stores for holiday shopping, get it done at Panera. My drink recommendation is also a warm drink. It's another instant pot recipe, but again, I'm sure you can make it in a pot on the stove and it would turn out quite well too. This one I like because you can make it for everyone, but you can also make it like a cocktail if you wanted to add some liquor in it. So this is instant pot wassail. You're going to use apple cider, orange juice, some cinnamon sticks, cloves, nutmeg, lemon juice and lemon zest, and then a little fresh ginger, or you could use like ground ginger too. And then optionally you can add like vanilla or use like vanilla beans for flavor. And pretty much you're just gonna mix it all up in the instant pot, pressure cook it for 10 minutes, and you got a big old pot of something warm and delicious to drink. Personally, I like to add, I don't use the vanilla because then I'm going to add uh, wild turkey American honey, which is like this slightly sweet whiskey into the instant pot wassail to make it a little bit more of like a, a hot toddy almost. I know it's not really a hot toddy. It's, it's a little bit more of a wassail with whiskey is what it is, but it's real good. You could put any kind of whiskey in there or bourbon, and I'm sure it would be very delicious, warm you up from the inside out. So that is my beverage recommendation for you. Nice and easy to make at home, keep it warm in the instant pot, spread it around, just make sure you don't put 
the whiskey straight into the pot if you're going to share it with the kids. That's our disclaimer here at Peace, Love, and Baseball. All right, Keith. Well, speaking of baseball, we got to talk a little baseball before we wrap things up today because all of the awards for the 2022 season were announced this year. I'm just going to kind of recap them and then we'll go back and, and touch on it and see if you have any specific thoughts. I know I've got a couple specific thoughts on, on a couple of them. So the rookie of the year went to uh, Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod and Michael Harris too. And then the Cy Young, uh, Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander. Cy Young is like the pitching award. Uh, the manager of the year award went to Terry Francona of the Cleveland Guardians and Buck Showalter of the New York Mets. And then your most valuable player MVP award went to Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge. Keith, what are your overall thoughts on the awards? Were you excited about it? Was there any that you were like surprised by or ones that you thought maybe didn't end up the way that you would have liked them to? I mean, honestly, not not as surprised. I was I was happy. I was extremely excited about the Paul Goldschmidt thing. I mean, that was our first MVP since 2009 with a good old Albert Pujols, which I will miss being on St. Louis during this time. It's been a wonderful year with that, and it didn't end the way that I personally or any Cardinal fan personally wanted it to. But it was nice to see um, Goldie get the MVP as well as Arenado get that nomination. And I think, I think Arenado, in a sense, really helped Goldschmidt with that MVP just by batting behind him because I feel – you, you got to pitch to Goldie because you got another MVP candidate hitting right behind you. Absolutely. And well, sadly, that's one thing I wish we could change with the Cardinals offense. We didn't have a whole lot batting behind Nolan until the second and a half of the season when Pujols really started to find his groove and everything. But, and then the only other thing, of course, the Alcantara I'm yeah. for him, but Every, every Cardinal fan on Twitter always says, we need to stop talking about it. And I'm like, nah, I'm still going to be sad about the fact that. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Alcantara was part of a trade from the Cardinals to the Miami Marlins uh, years ago. And even then, I think we all felt like that might be a risky move. It's interesting because the Cardinals organization for as as good as they are at developing players and bringing players up through the system, there haven't been a lot of uh, pitching prospects that have, they've really followed through on recently. And the other thing that happens just uh, this past week was that they released uh, Alex Reyes. So he is no longer, or he's now a free agent. And he's another one that like, I was really hoping that they could see it through with and just a series of injuries and unfortunate events that, you know, I'm not surprised by it, but it already stings a little bit. And I think we might be looking at him a few years from now, uh, potentially the same way. So yeah, very well-deserved for Sandy Alcantara and hopefully the Marlins can get some hitting in the off season because that was really their big downfall. Like their pitching was phenomenal and he led the way but they just could not uh, make up for it with run support. 
The two that I wanted to talk about were obviously super happy for Paul Goldschmidt. Feel exactly the same with you right there. But I guess I was surprised by the Buck Showalter uh, manager of the year because Terry Francona was very obvious to me, made a lot of sense, especially with what he was able to do with such a young team and just keep that and that organization moving in the right direction that they've been working towards for seemingly so long now. But I know it was Buck Showalter's first year with the Mets, and I know the Mets won 101 games, but they also have the highest payroll by nearly double of most of the other teams. So I guess that's why I was like, I don't know. Does that say that much about the management and the leadership, or does it say more about the money that they spent? Any thoughts on that? Well, between the money and didn't the Mets blow the NL East? Yes, they didn't even win the division. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the Mets were still a great team. Showalter's there, but I definitely agree with you on that payroll aspect because with that kind of payroll, with guys like Lindor getting what they're getting, I mean, DeGrom's now a free agent, actually, and I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with him there, but I just felt like the Mets underachieved, even though they had 101 wins, they didn't win the division and they had such a strong lead going into that last month. They completely blew it. I mean, granted baseball's baseball during the playoffs and stuff. In the end, there's 29 losers. Right. Right. Winner. I guess I'm just thinking at it at the angle of like Terry Francona was almost the opposite of like, look what leadership did with a team that nobody necessarily expected a whole lot from. Whereas like, look what this team that you expected everything from didn't really do that much or follow through on their potential. So I, I just thought it was weird that it ended up that way. And honestly that Dave Roberts was a finalist too, because the Dodgers, hardly did more than the Mets did uh, in the end. But I guess you can also say the same thing for Paul Goldschmidt if we were only looking at his last month. So I'll I'll take it for what it is. Uh, but that's just kind of my two cents on the manager of the year award. And then the other one, I know there's been a lot of back and forth about this. And I'm certainly not going to say that Aaron Judge did not deserve the MVP because he definitely did. And it's very fun to watch him all season. But I was kind of surprised that Otani didn't get more votes, that it wasn't like a little bit closer simply because of how good he has been multiple seasons in a row. So that is the reason that like I would have considered him to get more MVP votes because him being the two-way player that he is, not only is he a, a silver slugger candidate, he's a Cy Young candidate. So he's like definitely an MVP candidate and he's now doing it multiple years in a row. So it's not like he had one good season. He had just pretty much just as, as decent of a season this year as he did last year. And the fact that he's doing it consistently now to me is even more impressive. So I was surprised that it wasn't a little bit closer there. It's such a tough subject because as you said, Otani has been incredible. As you said, silver slugger candidate, Cy Young candidate, what Otani's doing in baseball is absolutely unheard of and I feel like it could hurt other players careers because I've seen other guys trying this and it's 
Yeah. You're not, you become not good at either of them. Shohei Otani is a freak of nature. Yep. That man is doing incredible things, but it's a conversation I had with my roommate um, last year. You know, we were talking and it was just that, you know, if you factor that in every year, Shohei Otani is then the MVP every single season that he exists because in terms of most valuable player well he is the most valuable player in the league he's playing five days a week pitching one of them Mm -hmm. and it's incredible so I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Judge did break that record from Maris there and I think a lot of it has to do with the sports writers thinking the same thing of if we went with this criteria for Otani, he's going to be MVP every year. Is that fair to Shohei? Barry Bonds was MVP a bunch of years. Yeah. I mean, come on. I thought it was interesting. I was not surprised at all that that judge got it. And it, he also contributed to that team in more ways than one. And he, he was absolutely the most valuable player for the Yankees by far. They would not have been where they were without him. So very well-deserved, but I think just having a player like Otani to even talk about or consider for those sorts of things shakes everything up for sure. So we're in the off season officially now. And are there any specific moves that you're most hopeful to see the Cardinals make this off season, whether it's like specific players you want to see them go after or just certain positions are things that you want to ensure that they get in the off season. My biggest one, and it's definitely a controversial half and half take on Twitter by far. And I think it's going to happen. I really want to see the St. Louis Cardinals pick up Wilson Contreras. Mm. You need a catcher. I know a lot of people online are talking about the fact that you're sacrificing a lot of defense for offense, but how much more offense are we going to get from a guy like Contreras compared to how much defense are we going to lose? And I feel like the gain is a lot more on that offensive side. You have a guy who is a veteran in the league hitting behind Arenado. So now you got protection behind Nolan Arnato, not to mention Wilson Contreras can play DH. We're still going to have Kisner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Kisner, Kisner has accepted his role as a backup catcher. And I think he's okay with it. Yep. We'll see what number Kisner is next year. Cause it sounds like he's giving his to Holland. Yeah. But that that's my big one is the mixture of, we get a big bat behind Arnato, We get a catcher and then we, you know, piss off cub fans a little bit yeah it well and what you're saying is like he could fill both of those holes and i i definitely don't disagree with you there i think like culture wise he could be a great fit with the team and yeah to your point like he still has he's a veteran he has the leadership that you know the team is going to be looking for losing molina and that sort of thing so yeah, I, I would not be mad about it for sure. And there's no one, the thing is, there's no one else that I'm like so excited about that they could potentially get that I think it would be that much more worth it, especially considering what they would have to give away to get any of the other um, contenders like in more of a trade situation. So I kind of do hope they go the free agent route in that case. And he is probably the best option. And man, those Cubs fans would cry a lot. And where you and I are from, yep, 
that, that makes it a little sweeter. <laughs> I had multiple. My buddy sent me that picture from Instagram where he hearted the picture. Yes, yes. And he's like, Contreras is going to be in a Cardinal uniform next year. And I was like, we don't anticipate it until it happens. It took us three years for Nolan. I'll yep. never forget that day calling my dad. I'm like, I can finally <laughs> officially tell you Nolan Arenado is a Cardinal. So, and that, that was another big off season thing, just in general. Yeah. So to have it solidified mm-hmm. is huge. And to have that like off the plate of concerns or things that need to be addressed this off season is really big. So in case you missed it, Nolan Arenado is a St. Louis Cardinal. He is still a St. Louis Cardinal. He's going to be a St. Louis Cardinal at least through 2027. And that is very, very good news for all of us. Like, honestly, the only thing I really want to make sure doesn't happen, it's more of a, I want to make sure this doesn't happen this off season. And I don't want them to trade Lars Newbar. Like I like him a lot, but I like a lot of players a lot, but I just, there's something about that that I'm like, we traded Bader and Newt really stepped up to be like the energy guy. And I'm a big vibes person. I'm a big energy person. I think there's something to be said for that. And I think we need to lose Newt right where he's at. So I'm hoping that we don't get too, uh, too crazy with any trades. And that's not the Cardinal way anyway to, you know, trade away players that they've made investments in and, and over pay in terms of like trade value for players. So I don't see that happening, but I'm just going to put it out there. Lars Newbar needs to stay a St. Louis Cardinal. I want to agree with you really quickly with his, he's still on a lower contract right now. Granted, he is going to be wearing another Jersey in March. He will be playing for the Japanese team in the WBC, which I'm actually quite excited for because now we have Goldie and Arenado playing on Team USA, as well as New Bar playing in Japan. Yeah. I think that's cool because, you know, I feel like that's a lot better experience than spring training is. Oh, for sure. I think Bader, not that he's on the Cardinals anymore, but he's going to play for Israel. Well, interesting. I haven't heard that. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. Any other Cardinals news you want to specifically touch on? No, I mean, Cardinals news, we're just going to deal with rumors. That's every single offseason rumors of the classic, we should go get Trey Turner, (laughs) go get Aaron Judge. And it's like, okay, but like, are we just going to deal with this all offseason of saying we should go get this? I mean, all it's going to take is that bridge to break because I feel like there hasn't been many offseason free agent signings at all. Yeah. That floodgate to break. Hopefully the Cardinals are a part of it. It's it's always hard to trust, but I always like to stay optimistic. It does feel different this year too, just from the things that we've heard from like Mo's conversations with Arenado and him committing to staying. But also like it just makes sense when you think of it from how much money they brought in from Pujols alone this past season that there's some more wiggle room there and they're in a position where a few moves and making some sacrifices with the payroll and increasing the payroll could make all the difference and to keep getting so close and so close and miss out again because of moves that could have been made like they're going to do everything they can to avoid that. So I do think we'll see some good action, what it will be. 
No idea. I'm with you. I can only speculate so much. Everybody gets behind one specific idea. Trey Turner to the Cardinals, Trey Turner to the Cardinals, and now it's Trey Turner. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, where did this even come from? But you get enough people in on the idea who are excited about it. And it's all we talk about. And we're like, is this even a conversation that's happening? Probably not. But it is fun to think about all the different possibilities. We've got a few cold months ahead of us to keep our fingers crossed and hope that stove gets hot. So we'll see. All right, Keith, before I let you go, it's rapid fire wrap up time. So give me some rapid fire answers. What is the best gift that you have ever, either that you've given or received? I can be a selfish person. So best gift I ever received was the Nintendo 64 that is actually sitting over there. I got that back in 2000 and um, it got me into the love of video games. And now I'm, I, I collect them and stuff like that. And you've had it for over 20 years. It still works too. That's amazing. I take, I, I take good care of the stuff, you know? I mean, a gift that stands the test of time. That's awesome. That's a good gift. Okay. What is a hobby that you might consider or like to pick up that you have never tried before? Oh man, I'd like to say snowboarding. Mm. I never, never really got into that. I mean, there was like the classic snowboarding, like on like hillsides and stuff in town, but I'm talking like actual hills and stuff. And I think that'd be uh, interesting, but at the same time, I'm worried I'd break either my arm or my leg or something. Right. That's what really freaks me out about like winter sports in general. But it's funny that you say that because that was my sister's answer when I asked her this question. She also grew up in in good old central Illinois. And she said exactly the same thing. Like, I've I've done it, but, you know, like only on hills and stuff. Okay, what is your favorite sport besides baseball? Besides baseball, I would say, okay, are we talking playing or watching? Both. Playing first. Playing basketball. I played basketball in high school as well as baseball. I love playing basketball, not as much as the, as the past. I don't like the five on five running more of just, you know, half court or just shooting. But in terms of watching, I got to say football. I, I love watching football, NFL, college. Who are your teams? Well, I was a St. Louis Rams fan mm. and that got ruined, unfortunately, and I didn't follow the Rams. So anyone that's on my fantasy team and right now, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and the Bills defense. I'm first in my league. Brendan Schaefer, if you listen to this, yeah, I'm in your league. And you know, did you see the Bills stadium today from the snow? That was insane. I think there was 66 inches of snow in 24 hours. I was watching, there were videos of uh, like neighbors and stuff digging out driveways for the players to get. Oh my gosh. They didn't fly out until today. They got the warning. Oh, on, wow. Yeah, they got the warning on Thursday and they figured they could just fly out on Saturday. So there were like random like citizens taking players on their snowmobiles <laughs> to the streets to the airport, which I'm still like, how are the planes? I mean, that's amazing. Talk about a community that's getting behind a team, but wow. What else do you have in Buffalo, New York? I feel right. Well, I could see that area being a place too, where like you get the warning and they're like, oh, whatever they say, it's going to be bad. It's nothing's going to happen. It's not going to be bad. So maybe they didn't take it seriously, but then it is bad enough 
enough of the time that all the townies have, you know, the right equipment and they can deal with it. And that's exactly what happened, I guess. Okay. So favorite sport to play basketball besides baseball, of course, and then favorite sport to watch besides baseball football. What is your favorite holiday song? Do you have a favorite Christmas song? Oh God, it's going to be embarrassing. Um, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. You can't go wrong. I, the I ultimate classic. Whole, I'm not going to, but I could sing that whole song right now. But we're not. Next time. That. We'll let you practice. For that. I don't think I have the voice for that. Also, we'd get like sued or something because you can't have not more right. than like 10 seconds or something. Yeah. Uh, people are hearing enough of that song this season too. We'll, we'll let them go without it. But I do, I love that one. It is like the ultimate classic Christmas song. So I totally agree with you there. Okay, last one. What is your Major League Baseball walk-up song? If you're a Major League Baseball player, what are you walking up to the plate to? Well, hopefully I'm a member of the St. Louis Cardinals and I am using Batter Up, Batter Up by Nelly. That is the answer that I've always wanted to hear, Keith. Batter Up by Nelly. Love that track easily. Best walk up and the fact that nobody has done that yet. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. No better song. I turn that on in the car as soon as the arch is in sight. Every time I'm like, turn it on. Thank you. I, I annoyed my dad last time he came into St. Louis as we were crossing the Stan Musial Bridge. I played it and he's like, what are you <laughs> doing? I'm like, this is our song. And now he's just grown to like it, even though he hates rap music and doesn't know what's being said. I, he, he knows it's the sound of the city right here. Yeah, the sound of the city. Exactly. Oh, well, that was that was a, ending on a high note for sure. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We're all going to be more well-fed and happy on the road this holiday season. Thanks to your recommendations. And maybe we'll have you back uh, either for, you know, the fast food changes with the seasons, but also it might be fun to have you back talk about the world baseball classic as we get closer to that in the spring. So I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about as things heat up over the off season and we'll have you back soon. Sound good. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it and definitely love to be on again. So just let me know. You've got a good voice for radio, Keith. So we'll have you back. As long as you didn't say I have a good face for radio. That's, <laughs> that's what i Got mom. a good face for podcasting. No. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It was a lot of fun.